And, uh, you know, I, I never, I, I couldn't even enjoy the buzz that I had because I just, I felt miserable. Yeah. And um, that was kind of a turning point there, you know. I was like, either I'm either going to get in a game or I'm getting out of the game. Mm-hmm. One or two. And, you know, that's when, that's when I talked to God about, you know, Lord, I'm tired of this back and forth, you know. And, Hey guys, this is Robbie uh, into the fray, and I'm joined tonight. Uh, Austin has decided to abandon me tonight, but he's left me in good hands uh, by two of my really close friends, John Dixon and Keith Purvis, uh, both of which um, God just used mightily in me coming to faith in the Lord, but also um, in my growth in my faith. And so I cannot be cannot really be more excited to be sitting down and talking with them uh, tonight, and um, I know their story. Um, but I want to ask them to kind of share, to kind of break the ice, and just, Keith, if you'll kind of lead off, man. How'd you come to faith in Christ? What's your story? Well, um, I was raised uh, in, a, in a good home. I had a mom and a dad loved me very much and taught me uh, good values in life. You know, um, they taught me right from wrong, as they know, uh, because like my mom was a Christian early on, but my dad wasn't, and so... Uh, it was kind of difficult for her to get us going to church when we were little and things like that. And finally, it just got to be such a, a headache that she just quit going. So uh, I remember going a little bit when I was younger. Uh, but anyway, I was raised in a good home. They, they taught me uh, good values and you know, be, about being honest and, you know, how to treat others and things like that. And uh, so no complaints there, but just wasn't raised in a Christian home. And that's a big difference, yeah. you know. And um, unfortunately, well, I had a lot of uh, older cousins that lived close around. And I would say, unfortunately, they were living a life that uh, probably weren't too pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I kind of looked up to them, you know. And you know how you look up to older people, especially older cousins and stuff like that, and kind of want to be like them. and. And so um, I, I watched them and uh, watched the things that they did. And uh, at a young age, I can remember um, being turned on to some things that I probably shouldn't have been turned on to, especially that uh, young of an age. And uh, I just uh, succumbed to the peer pressure. And, and uh, first thing I ever done was probably, I say around 12, uh, you know, I smoked a little marijuana. And I don't even know if I got high the first time, to be honest with you. I probably didn't. I don't really remember it. But, you know, just that one bad choice led to a lot of other bad choices yeah. throughout my life. And I followed that same routine for a long time. And during this process, um, I was probably probably my uh, early teens, middle teens, somewhere along there. And, uh, you know, as teenagers, we can drive our parents a little crazy. And uh, I think I, I might have drove my mama back to God <laughs> the way I was living. Yeah. And, uh, and so she actually uh, she got back into church, and uh, uh, she was uh, doing the church thing, as mm-hmm. I called it. And um, 
you know, I'm still living the life like I want to live and thinking I'm having a great time and enjoying life. And uh, come to find out years later, um, she told me that she had prayed for me for like 10 years, you know, and probably been praying longer than that, but yeah. specifically for 10 years, she had been praying for me to come to know Christ. And, uh, you know, like I say, I was out living in the world, enjoying the things of the world. Uh, so one night or one day she called me and we were talking and she asked me, you know, to come to um, church with her. And I was like, all right, I'll come. And uh, I was still living at home at the time. And so I knew, I was like, man, if I'm going to go to church, I was like, I got to kind of call it a little bit early on a Saturday night. That way you don't want to feel so bad, you know, mm-hmm. going to church. And I remember, man, it was that Saturday night and things was popping. Boy, we was having a good time. And I was like, hey, man, I ain't worried about church. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I just kept on partying, having a good time. So Sunday rolled around and I blowed it off. Yeah. You know, I just slept through and didn't worry about it. And uh, she come to me and she was like, I thought you said you was going to go to church with me. And I was like, I'll go next Sunday. And so um, same scenario next weekend this Saturday night. And I'm thinking about it. And I was like, man. And, and I've always liked to, to make my mama happy. I'm a mama's boy, mm-hmm. like probably a lot of us guys are. And uh, so I was like, man, I got to go to church with my mama one time. And so I kind of dipped out early, um, got home probably midnight, mm-hmm. uh, went to bed, got up next morning, got ready, not feeling really well. So I go there anyway, and uh, the pastor, he begins to, he begins to uh, preach, and uh, man, he's preaching, and I'm listening, and during this time, I'm thinking, I cannot believe my mama has called the pastor and told him I was coming mm-hmm. because everything that he was saying was the way I was living. And man, he was speaking directly to me. And I don't even think he ever even looked at me one time, but I just knew that them two had uh, conspired together and uh, they had that sermon for me. Uh, and I didn't know that's how God worked. You know what I mean? He knew I was going to be there that Sunday. And mm-hmm. he, he uh, so he, he used... Uh, uh, the pastor's sermon to to speak to my heart and man I, I was just like pretty much instantly convicted that that i was living a life of sin and then if i was to die i was gonna go to hell and um i uh before that i didn't know a whole lot about church you know as a as a young kid i went to ra so i could play basketball and things like that and just picked up a little bit of church lingo here and there you know and kind of knew some stuff and but didn't really understand it. So, so I thought I was good. You know, I was like, I ain't never killed nobody. I, I think that's one of them sins you ain't supposed to do, you know. So I was like, I had never killed anybody. So I'm good, you know. I'm going to heaven. And that's what I thought for years until I heard the truth, you know. And then, like I said, I was convicted. Well, I would like to say that at that moment I went up and gave my life to Christ, but unfortunately I didn't do that. You know, I was like uh, holding on to the uh, pew back there and not wanting to let go. Uh, and so I left there, but I left different. You know, I left knowing that something wasn't right with me. And uh, I think I missed a couple of Sundays, you know, in between a few times there. And then, and then my mom would ask me again, and I would go, and then the pastor would preach, and I'd get that same conviction. Well, during this time, uh, my good buddy John here, he was going to that same church. And I won't ever forget it. I come home from work one evening, and my mom said, John Disney called and uh, was wanting to talk to you. And I was like, 
man, what the heck did John Dixon <laughs> want to talk to me about? And I was like, in my mind, I was like, that old holy roller, I don't want to be around him. <laughs> this is what I was thinking, you know. And uh, so anyway, I didn't call him. And I want to think it was that Wednesday night I seen him at church because I went back with my mama, and he was there, and he asked me to go to a revival with him, and, you know, he was face to face with me then, so uh, I couldn't really say much. I was like, "Okay." And what Robbie preaching the revival? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't Robbie. Uh, but uh, anyway, so I went with him, and uh, like I said, you know, God's speaking to me this whole time uh, when I'm hearing His Word preached, and so I'll never forget it, man. One Sunday, <clears throat> I went back to church with Mama. And I was sitting back there, and of course, you know, I got to sit in the, the last row of the uh, on the pew back there so I can get out early because mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to nobody. But um, anyway, he was preaching, and uh, man, he, he just, he gave that invitation. And, and I knew that, like I say, man, today I, I got to do something because yeah. I, I was, I weren't happy with my life and before that, it really didn't bother me, you know. But man, God was—he was really tugging on my heartstrings and letting me know uh, that He was there for me. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna be honest with you—I probably like a lot of men, I, I don't cry in front of people a lot. But when I went up there to the altar, and He was standing there, um, I couldn't even say anything to Him because I was just so broken and I was just crying and just tears was coming down my eyes. And man, I kind of getting welled up now just thinking about it you know and uh uh, he knew pastor Mm -hmm. knew what i was up there for Mm -hmm. and uh, we talked and uh, man i gave my life to christ Mm -hmm. and uh it was just amazing and uh but i would like to say that everything was just great after that but unfortunately uh, it wasn't because i was still uh, trying to live in the world and uh, I left there, and I, I believe I was saved, there's no doubt about it, because mm-hmm. I, I knew that I was a sinner, and I knew that, that I'd given my life to Christ, and I wanted Him to save me, and I wanted Him to redeem me, and I wanted Him to take me this mess away from me. Uh, and, and I believe that I, I'd given my life to Him. But it's, it's kind of like I ask Him to be my Savior, but not the Lord of my life, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so uh, that rocked on for about a year. And um, I would go to church, and then I would go and try to live in the world on the weekends. And, and it, not not just weekends, but during the week, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did it right. If you are going to do it, do it right. All in, yep. Uh, and so, but I was unhappy. Yeah. I'm talking about, well, no, I was miserable. I wasn't unhappy, I was just miserable, because, man, I knew I, I had something living inside of me now called the Holy Spirit that was convicting me of what I was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so... Like I say, it was about a year, man, and and then I was I was at church one Sunday, and God was speaking to me. It's like you know, you asked me to save you, but I don't think you've let me be Lord of uh, of your life. And I, and I remember I said, God, I said I'm tired of living like this. And I said, if you will, I, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to take all this stuff from me, and I want to just dedicate my life to you. And man, that's what I did. And uh, I left there. And I think I might have messed up one other time after that, mm-hmm. and it, but it was just very brief, like a weekend, yeah. and then I was back, and I was like, I'm done, I'm done with that kind of lifestyle, mm-hmm. and uh, man, I haven't looked back. 
And, and I'll be honest with you, there are it, – was it fun? Oh, yeah, it was a blast. Because mm-hmm. uh, the devil, he knows he wants it to be fun to begin yeah. with, yeah. you know, but – but uh, you know, eventually that fun turns into to heartache, and uh, but uh, I, I had a really really good time sinning, yeah. and uh, I can't say that I didn't. Yeah. Um, but now that I've lived that life and the life that I'm living now, there's no comparison. You know, I got the joy in my heart, and knowing that that one day I'm going to be with my Savior, and uh, man. It's, just, just phenomenal, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. that's it in a nutshell. That's awesome, man. I love. Um, I've heard your story, you know, a few times, man. But just, um, just hearing, I love even the process of it, though, KP. How, you know, there, there was that maybe that year, but God was fully at work. Yeah, you know, and sometimes that's how he works. I mean, a lot of times we we think or we expect it's going to be this. We hear the gospel one time, Mm -hmm. we receive it, and it does happen that way. Sometimes it does, but a lot of times you hear those stories of of God begins that work and He's going to complete it. But it is over the course of some time, so that's awesome to hear. I I think I vaguely remember though, Kevin. There were some Sundays you drove by that little church. What what'd you what'd you say or think about them going fishing? Yeah, uh, we was going boat ride because I we I still do. I like going down to the to the river and and we would uh, ride boats and stuff. And I'd always have a a cooler full of beer headed Uh to the river. Uh And I remember several occasions riding by and seeing all those people standing out there. And I was like, man, what them people doing? Wasting their time. (laughs) Mm. We finna go to the river and have us some fun. Yep. Uh, but I look back now, just kind of like, man, what a fool I was, yeah, you know. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> That's awesome. Funny story about the river, though. You know, I associated going to the river with a cooler full of beer and mm-hmm. whatever else I could have to go with me and have a fun. Yeah. And I remember after I got saved and was re- I really dedicated my life uh, to Christ and was living for Him, and I go back to the river and I didn't have no beer in my cooler, and mm-hmm. I was like, Man, this is kind of weird. <laughs> Had uh, watering coats in there, and uh, yeah. and it was it was weird to begin with. But mm-hmm. then I was like, I, I I like the river. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, even though I'm sober, I still like the river. Yeah. You know, so That's right. we just do it sober now. Yeah. No what about the time you wrote up on the baptism? Oh man, you had to bring that up, didn't you, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, there was a few of us guys riding, and uh, unfortunately, I was in the lead that day, and. Um, I used to have a mouth like a sailor, as they say, and uh, we were kind of like just easing along, drinking and talking, and I was just cussing, and I remember vaguely cussing some very nice words, and I turned the curve, and man, lo and behold, they're having a bad <laughs> oh my goodness. And, uh, you know, the little <laughs> town we live in, everybody knows everybody, mm-hmm. and so they all know me, and man, I felt so, uh, I felt like a little little flea and I just wanted to turn and kind of not look at nobody and I turned my head and tried to ease on mine. I never even looked over at them people. But uh, thank you, John, for reminding me of that. I appreciate that. So what happens when you know, you know, small right. town, people yeah, know yeah. you before Christ exactly. and after. Yeah, we can laugh about this. That's right. Now. But you know, it's, it's a, you say that, it reminds me of what a testimony no that doubt. is. You know, because I'm sure there's probably somebody who's like, I remember Keith coming by. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now they see me now, and years later, yeah. still serving God. Amen. Know? So that's that's amazing. That's awesome. How about you, John? Well, a lot of a lot of testimonies start out with uh, I, I was raised in a good Christian home, and I'm one of those. Yeah. I was. Uh, my mother's in heaven now, but 
my mother was a godly godly woman and she lived it in front of us and uh and her mother my nana was the same way and they she my nana had such an impact on me i keith mentioned his his mother prayed for him for 10 years and and uh my nana lived in florida but every time we'd get together she'd come and we'd go every night i'd go in there and she'd always be reading her bible and she'd always want to pray for me and i just that was just so special to me so i i got to see christ-like people in my life and and uh so my, my also my dad he was a godly man still is and uh so i grew up in church um grew up sunday school church every night my mother played the organ piano and so we were there every time the doors opened and so um just just always grew up with the word and around godly people good preaching and good church and and uh but i i didn't get saved till i was 15 and uh but i i, I remember i was reading a book by billy graham which is kind of odd because i'm not a reader hmm. but i was reading it and it was the night before my first day of high school and well, I was reading, I don't know, but I was reading this book and something kept sticking out, it kept reading something to do with doubt. And if you doubt in your salvation or doubt things, your relationship, you know, and that word just kept popping up, you know, it seemed like over and over. And it had me, had me kind of thinking that, you know, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I've been a pretty good boy all these years <laughs> for 15 years and been in church and and been to the altar and prayed and, but I, I realized that I never really just like you said accepted mm-hmm. the Lord and, and prayed the sinner's prayer and 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 it wasn't necessarily I felt like I was such a terrible person but first time in life I had a conviction of sin mm-hmm. and without that conviction of sin yeah. God's not really drawing and yeah. and so right there laying in my bed all by myself I prayed and said God I want to be Lord of my life and got saved and and so that was my from my childhood up to when I got saved and um I'd, I'd like to sit here and tell y'all that I've been perfect ever since but mm-hmm. my, my struggle with sin came after I got saved that's mm-hmm. when uh, that's when I was attacked the worst mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. but uh thank God that from my my upbringing and yeah and the roots I have and I'll never forget that now everybody knows why I called him a holy roller, see? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we can get into the, the good, bad, and ugly. Here, I guess. Well, the funny thing when you say that, KP, because um, I, I won't name names, but there, you're not alone in mm. thinking somehow that God is this, like uh, I've heard names used of John, like as yeah. God's angel yeah. somehow that yeah. will haunt you and hunt you down kind of he because he's always there that's right kind of thing like when god's at work kind of deal so it's just uh yeah i think another power but isn't that isn't that funny though how people have that perception of people oh, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I, I, yeah and john uh, wayne even has even mentioned that about john you know and yeah. i was like you know i had the same thing about him until i got to know him yeah you know i realized he's just like me yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah a lot, a lot worse than you, brother. Uh, well, a couple of reasons I wanted to have you guys share. One is just so everybody listening who may not know uh, your stories. And selfishly, I love to hear them, if, if I, even if I've heard it a dozen times, just to hear you know God's work because it's His grace that He does that. Uh, but also, as kind of John alluded to there at the end, um, that none of us at this table are perfect. 
none of us gave our life to Christ and it became really easy. And so when we dive into a topic like addiction, um, all three of us have either directly as in us personally or had someone close to us that's bad on addiction. And uh, we were talking before we came on air that, uh, I mean, none of us are, are professionals in that regard. We're, none of us are certified addiction counselors. Uh, but that's why I think it's so awesome is because we do have some personal experience, but not even if we didn't have that, um, a lot of times I think a, a lot of people that will be listening, they feel the same way. Um, they don't have the professional experience, but there's, it, if you're listening to this, you know someone, whether you know they're battling or not, they're battling addiction. Yeah. That's just statistically speaking. Mm-hmm. You have somebody in your sphere, um, whether it's your family, friend, coworker, student, whatever kind of thing, uh, that's battling addiction. Doesn't mean necessarily it's alcohol or you know substance abuse kind of thing, uh, but we'll talk about that in just a minute. So I, I just want to, John, if you'll kind of start out, how, what is your personal experience with an addiction? Well, I, I, I guess I kind of tell people I've I've had a lot of experience with addiction, although I've never really drank or had a, or done drugs. In fact, I've never been drunk or high in my life, but I've had a lot of experience with addiction, and that's through my son mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, my, my oldest son drew um, struggle with started with dabbling with some drugs in high school uh, first I didn't know it uh, kind of found out about it and through some other parents and things like that and uh, didn't really realize how bad it was and it escalated pretty quick mm-hmm. and uh, so we went we went through a lot for for years and uh Drew uh, went to rehab a couple times. It got where he'd stay away from home. Uh, I wouldn't see him, wouldn't know where he was, and uh, never stopped praying for him, never stopped believing in him, never stopped believing that he could could whip it, and uh, always had faith, faith in God that he would. There were some things that uh, I knew I felt like he needed to do, and I really strongly felt like he needed long-term rehab, Mm-hmm. Uh, even up to a year, I begged him, did everything I could. To, told him I would, I would do everything, move heaven and earth to get him somewhere if he would just commit to do that. And he never did that. We had a um, one of the last deep conversations we had. I sat him down. I was just as honest as I could be. I, I made it a point to to be from the heart and not to uh, leave anything unsaid. And I basically told him that I had a fear of him dying mm-hmm. and that it's not a good good feeling for a dad to, to imagine losing yeah. a yeah. child. Yeah. And I said, I said, I, I basically told him, I said, I don't, I don't want to stand up in front of a church or funeral home and shake hands and yeah. tell people what a good, good boy. And, and so I told him, it, I mean, it was, it was real for me. Mm. And, uh, and I said, do you, I said, how does that make you feel? You know, he said, well, daddy, I, you know, I have that fear too. And I said, well, you know, things has got to change. And I said, I said, one thing I, I got to know, I said, I got to know where you stand with God just because I have that fear. Yeah. And two, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for God to deliver you from drugs and alcohol. And, uh, and he looked at me right in the eye and said, daddy, 
I know I don't act like it. I know I got my problems, but Daddy, I know I'm saved. And uh, he, he said, I've asked Jesus to save me. I pray every day. I know he saved me from my sins. I know I struggle. I know I still sin. Mm-hmm. But there's no doubt in my mind that he saved me. Yeah. And I said, well, I said, that's great. That's great to know. And uh, I'm glad you told me that. I said, but, you know, now it's time to start acting like it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you've got to trust God. And yeah. and and, uh, and we got to whip this. And um. I think things may have gotten a little better. I started getting uh, started getting some phone calls, and my prayer for Drew became because uh, a lot of people, if you knew him, you knew he was a very talented musician and mm-hmm. singer, and uh, played mandolin and fiddle and guitar, and and he could pick up a water bottle. I think make mm-hmm. music. He was just mm-hmm. that good. Yeah. And so when you're when you're that talented. Um, the music world is is one big family and you can meet somebody else and they got a guitar or something in their hand i mean you're you're instant family or friends and yeah and with that took drew all over the united states i mean he would uh, he didn't even own a car and i don't know if he had a suitcase yeah <laughs> but <laughs> but uh he, he was a, a rambling man yeah. and and it would and he was he would be in california and you not know it until you get a postcard or something, but but it did. It took him all over to singing and meeting people and things like that. But still, I would worry because I didn't know where he was. Right. And so my one of my prayers became God put someone in His path mm-hmm. who loves you, who are a godly person that that could help him. Because I was where I didn't know if he was, you know, on the mm-hmm. side of a road mm-hmm. or in the ditch or what, but. Um, I know God uses people and, yeah. and I would get phone calls from him and said, daddy won't believe who I run into or who I mm-hmm. met. And I'm, yeah, yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, there's so many people that reached out and helped him and, yeah. and, uh, but, um, I'd like to say everything worked out, but Drew, um, March 19th, 2019, he lost his life one night and, uh, and it was, it was related to alcohol and uh, just got that dreaded phone call that you a parent yeah. never wants to receive. Yeah. And uh, and so I'm looking back, I'm so thankful for that conversation. I did, I did everything in my power, did said everything I could. Yeah. I obviously look back and try to think of what I could have done different. And I don't know what I could have done different unless I locked him in a, Right. In a mm-hmm. bubble. Yeah. And and just had just fed him through a window. But um as a dad, daddies are supposed to be the fixers and the you know, yeah. and make things right and and uh and I couldn't fix that. Yeah. And and it's a helpless, hopeless feeling and I know people that's listening, especially parents or loved ones, codependents. I know you got that same feeling and it hurts and and you know sometimes I don't think people realize the pain you go through watching somebody you love you know go through something like that but thank God Drew's in heaven not because it makes me I don't believe that because it makes me feel better I believe it because of what God's word says and if you believe and you confess in your mouth that Jesus is Lord did was he perfect when he died no but I don't know. Since he's been gone, I, 
I can't think of nobody I've ever known or met that had a bigger heart as Drew did. Yeah. He just loved people. Yeah. And and um, the last one of the last texts I got from him, um, and I know God was working in his in his heart because uh, uh, he I still got that text. But he said, "Daddy," he said, "I've always heard the song Amazing Grace, but I've never experienced how great His grace is until now." Mm. Wow. So hey, God was dealing with him, showing yeah, him, he loved yeah. him, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Man, John, thanks for sharing too. Um, can't imagine how difficult that is, even to talk about now, a few years later. Um, but to to see not only as you were going through that, because we're through people, right? I mean, God tells us He will see us through through yeah. the water, through the fire. He's going to see us through it, not always around it, um, but through it, and to see the Lord's faithfulness and his grace really is sufficient. And man, for you to be able to share that, just, um, golly. I was sitting there thinking the same thing. I've heard this story before, but man, it's just an amazing story to, to see God's faithfulness and how he's seen you through it. And not only he's seen you through it, but you're still serving him, you know, with the same passion, the same desire that you had before. You know, because you could have easily been bitter or angry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But that's just another testimony of how good God is. Yeah. When I I think about it, as I said, after I got saved, I I did some stupid things. And and I I, I actually became a prodigal son myself, even though I didn't get on drugs and alcohol. I ran from God, ran from Mm -hmm. everything I knew to be true. Right. And, uh, but so I've, I've considered myself as a prodigal during that time and uh but i've learned more about god's heart by being the father of a prodigal than i have Mm. being a prodigal because i can relate to what god god felt you know and or way god feels and way the story goes of the father Mm -hmm. and um and and just you know sometimes no one asks you how you feel i mean you're so concerned about yeah. The one in addiction. Nobody asked. Yeah. And, and especially the one that's struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't remember one time, Daddy, how does this make you feel? Yeah. For what I've been right. through. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, the lies and mm-hmm. things like that, you know, that you just, and I mean, I consider myself very forgiving, and I did. And every time yeah. I, I, I forgive him 70 times seven, mm-hmm. several times. Right. And, but every time I felt like that was it. Yeah. You know, with mm-hmm. Jesus, with the woman at the well, what did mm-hmm. he tell her? Go and send no more. Yeah. And so my, that's the way uh, I felt. We, we got that behind us. You know, we yeah. hugged and apologized yeah. and cried and mm-hmm. it's over. Let's move forward. Forget all this. And then it happened again. So yeah. the yeah. cycle continued. Yeah. But uh, still, I never, never stopped believing. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, just as I was saying about the, you know, really not knowing how to feel, but look at that story, the prodigal son and the father, how he, I mean, he saw him in a distance coming home and that mm-hmm. makes me a picture, pick, make, makes me picture the father looking, waiting. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's the way, yeah. that's the way you do. And that's yeah. the way everybody's struggling. You're waiting for that day until yeah. they come to their senses. Yeah. And then, you know, another yeah. thing about that story is that, uh, you know, when it says the son came to his senses mm-hmm. and then he started rehearsing in his mind what he was going to say to the mm-hmm. father. 
Well, he thought, so I'm going to go and say, Father, I've sinned. And and he was already prepared to be a hired hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so what that tells me is he's already, he's he thinks he knows what the father's thinking. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, he's like, yeah. he's mad at me. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's probably going to beat mm-hmm. me. He's going to yeah. put me down. He's, he might not even. So in his mind, and, and so with someone that's struggling with addiction and someone that's listening, I mean, you you think God's mad at you? You think God's done with you, yeah. and that you're damaged goods? And uh, he's he's sitting on the front porch, just looking over the horizon, waiting Wait. for you to come. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. and, and so uh, what you think people think about you is, is straight from the enemy. No doubt, right. no doubt. And uh, man, one, one thing when you were, it just I thought of it um, in that story because. I mean, obviously, it's the picture of the Father, our Father, our Heavenly Father that's waiting on us, and you had that experience as well. I mean, there was times where you're waiting on Drew to come back and get that phone call or whatever, but I couldn't help but think that one day, and John's going to definitely outlive everybody at this table, me especially, kind of thing, <laughs> but one day, um, you won't be waiting on him. Drew's going to be waiting on you yeah. when you get home. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Golly, thank you for sharing, though. KP, yeah, you shared a little bit in your testimony. I just wanted to, thinking while you were talking, I wanted to ask you. So you had that that year, uh, that season of, of there was conviction that already started. You kind of wanted to move away, and you had a little slip up, you know, sort of thing. Um, but when did the light, I mean, okay, this is it. Was it after that weekend? It was like, man, this just ain't worth it anymore. Or kind of talk a little bit more about that. Well, for me, you know, the addiction part and – I, I was very high functioning, you know what I mean? I kept a yeah. job, yeah, everything yeah. worked well. You know, it's yeah. not like I was struggling, you know, everything was, life was good, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I, I had no problems. And, and, you know, like a lot of people that go through addiction, it takes them to the bottom of the barrel, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I never went to the bottom of the barrel. Um, I was, everything was going well, uh, but after I'd given my life to Christ, then that's when I began to realize that, my addiction was, you know, it was causing me to, to sin, mm-hmm. uh, and that that was going to separate me from God, you know. Yeah. And I didn't want to be separated from God. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be close to Him. Yeah. And um, so, you know, throughout that year, man, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, you and you, you know, when you first got saved, you just got this fire, and you just mm-hmm. want to. Man, gonna go out and conquer the world. What they say, uh, conquer hell with a squirt gun, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> and so, I, I have that mentality, yeah. you know. And so, I want to try to tell everybody I know about it, my friends and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget this day. Um, I rode by the bridge, the, or, or the river, and I was on the bridge, and I looked down, and I could see uh, two or three cars down there, and I know them, mm-hmm. and it was some of my old associates. Mm-hmm. And so I was like. They ain't got nothing else to do. Let me pull down there and talk to them boys. I haven't talked to them in a while. Uh, dead sober, you know, didn't even have a cooler in my truck anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I go down there. Sure enough, they're standing around the truck and they're, you know, drinking beer and stuff. And I, I get there and I get out and start talking to them, you know. And I'm thinking, like, man, how's a way I can mention Jesus or something? You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to think of something. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, one of them asked me that I want a beer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, no, I don't. I don't want a beer. No, I'm good. I'm good. But I really did because it was hot that day, and and that beer looked mighty good. Sure. And uh, I I actually liked the way beer tasted. 
uh, and it is an acquired taste because I didn't like it the first time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so, you know, he, asks, he offers me a beer, and I say no. And um, we sit there, and we're talking a little bit longer, and somebody else has offered me another beer, and I, I turn down another one. I said, no, I'm good, man. And then so we sat there for a little while longer, and that's all they had in the cooler was beer. There wasn't mm-hmm. no water or no coke, you know what I mean? <laughs> so we're sitting there for a little while longer. I was there maybe an hour, you know, and next thing you know, somebody offers me another one. By this time, I'm done got hot, and I'm like, Nah, just one beer ain't gonna hurt me, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that beer and I crack it open. I start drinking it. Next thing I know, uh, they fired up a, a joint, and I thought, Oh Lord! I was like, No, I don't want none of that. And so he, uh, it come by me. I said, No, nah, man, I'm good. So it went on around. Come by the second time. I was like, No, nah, man, I'm good. Come by the third time, and I reached out and grabbed it, mm-hmm. and. uh so I'm sitting there, and now here I am. I done drunk a beer and smoked some marijuana, and I'm sitting there thinking about it. And immediately, I'm being convicted, immediately, yeah. while I'm sitting there. And I leave after that. And I, I pull, I got in my truck. I pull down to the road, and, man, I felt like garbage. It was like I felt like the just the worstest person in the world. I was like. I went down there to be a witness for Christ for what he was doing in my life, and I failed miserably. Yeah. You know, I didn't even get the opportunity to share with these guys, mm-hmm. and there was nothing different about me than them, nothing. Mm-hmm. I was I was acting just like they were. And, uh, you know, I, I never, I, I couldn't even enjoy the buzz that I had because I just I felt miserable. Yeah. And um, that was kind of a turning point there, you know. I was like, either I'm either going to get in a game or I'm getting out of the game, mm-hmm. one or two. And, you know, that's when, that's when I talk to God about, you know, Lord, I'm tired of this back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to live for you, live wholeheartedly for you. And that's what I did, man. I made my mind up. And and, and I'd been uh, in the game for a, a long time. You know, like I say, I, probably around 12 years old when I first experienced the first uh, marijuana. And like I say, it progressed mm-hmm. uh, from there to – everything under the sun mm-hmm. if it was there i did it yeah and um but I, like i said i was i was functioning at it i could live and ha- had to keep a job and i done all those things but just i was just miserable man mm-hmm. you know and, and now that i had the holy spirit living in me and convicted me of all this sin i, I just had to i had to quit i just mm-hmm. had to make a change and you know people noticed mm-hmm. you know and some of those same people that were down there, they ended up giving their life to Christ over mm-hmm. time, you know, because they, they realized that, hey, there is something different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had to make my mind up that I was through with it. Yeah. And I understand that that's tougher for other people. I, I think addiction uh, takes different people different ways, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because it puts uh, others in heavier chains than it had me. Yeah. You know, I, I never had to go to any kind of uh, uh, counseling or, or some facility or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just made my mind up. I was done. I was going to do it. But like I say, it was about a year process. Mm-hmm. But I understand that's different for other people. Yeah. And and that's okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. You know, if you need to go somewhere, if you need to go to a, a mm-hmm. facility that, that's all about rehabbing, and mm-hmm. man, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Don't be ashamed. No. You know, do it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm so glad you said that too because a couple of things when you were talking about that, there's this – idea i mean I, i've heard it said so much and i probably even said it you know 
it's until you hit your bottom. Well, everybody's yeah. bottom's different. That's right. You know what I mean? Like when we think they hit the bottom, they ain't even close. Yep. You know, you see it later on kind of thing. Um, the other thing you said, man, being a functioning addict, and that's why when I say you know somebody, like everybody that's listening knows someone um, that, that battles addiction, yeah. a lot of times people don't realize they're battling it because they really are high function. That's right. You know what I mean? They act normal because right. a lot of times, I don't care if it's alcohol or pills or whatever it is, man, one of the one of the things I know about being a, a, a former addict is we are we are like professional deceivers. That's right. Uh, we can we can hide stuff. We yeah. think most we, of the we time. We think we're, we're hiding it. Yeah. Most of the time, <laughs> and we get creative and, and pretty right. good for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I mean there there are so many of those. But then you said that about not everybody's path as far as how they get yeah. find freedom and even the process because it's a process too. That's I mean, just right. like. A lot of us coming to faith in Christ, it's over the course of time, breaking that bondage, you know, for a lot of people that because for some reason, there's this disconnect between sin in general and an addiction. Yeah. I don't know where that comes from, but it's we know. I mean, there's a heart issue both ways kind of thing. Um, But for a lot of people, you know, um, may go through rehab and then relapse. Or maybe they don't do that. Maybe they do external counseling or something else. Yeah. But there is this this cycle, and unfortunately, what happens is they either think and you know believe the lie, or, or people around them do that this is a cycle that just never end. Yeah. You know, it'll get a little bit better, and then yeah. right back. Yeah, get a little bit better, and right back, kind of thing. But you know, even disciple making it's a lifelong process. That's right. You made a comment about. Uh, Fooling people and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought that for so many years that I was fooling people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the only person I was fooling was myself. Absolutely. You know. And that's the thing is like for me, I, there's a lot of pictures in the Bible of sin. I mean, God speaks to his people a ton about adultery and how they are adulterous. They are going after idols and uh, anything and everything other than the Lord. That they're in this covenant relationship. So that's one picture. Addiction, I think, for us today is one of those pictures. Like, man, it will take you places you never thought you would go, you know, keep you longer than you ever thought you would stay, kind of thing. Um, Do the unimaginable. Like, going into it, nobody wakes up and thinks, I'm going to ruin my marriage, I'm going to ruin my career. Uh, my life as they they begin, you know, it's that kind of thing. So it it begins small, hence the gateway with a lot of drugs and stuff. That's right. But even if that first one is that first drug or or drink or whatever, you don't go into it thinking. We go into it thinking, that's no big deal. Yeah. And then even kind of as we go, I'm in control. I can stop whenever I want. Right. And all along, we're losing control when that thing is taking control of us. It's funny that you mentioned that, though, about, you know, it taking you further than you want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have a little son now. Well, he ain't little no more. But, yeah. uh, about half as big as me, he's 11. But we were in Atlanta, and there was a, a kid on the street, and he was probably in his, uh, I say young 20s. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that he had a problem, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. And, and he was probably addicted to some, some type of drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And we were walking by, and I looked at him and looked at Cade, and I noticed Cade was looking at him. And we, when we walked on by, I looked at Cade, and I told him, I said, you know what? I said, you know why that kid's here? And he said, no. I said, because he made one bad choice mm-hmm. in life. And he said, what do you mean? 
How does one bad choice lead him there? I said, that's all it takes is one bad choice because it sets you down a road that it's a very slippery road, and if you're not careful, you're out of control before you realize it. You know, you look at at TV. You you see all these commercials with alcohol and all these different things. Man, everybody's living it up having a blast. Sure. You know? So the devil is very, very crafty at what he does. Yeah. And people fall right into that trap, you know? And and then, like, for my instance, the the – People I looked up to, mm-hmm. wrong kind of people to be looking up to. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I should have shifted my focus. And, and I think my mom and dad love me really, really a, a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think they give me a little bit too much freedom as a as a young kid. Yeah. Just too too much freedom, I think. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's because they loved me and wanted me to go yeah. and do and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, and it wasn't because they wanted me to go and do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, well, and to that, the, again, a little, the false narrative or perception, you want to call it kind of thing of like, you know, obviously I'm a pastor, so I, I get the jokes of my, I have three boys and preacher yeah. kids kind of stuff. <laughs> and, but I even thought this, like before coming to Christ, I'd make fun of people, you know, kind of thing. Like they were missionary kids or preacher kids or they just had godly parents or they would believe. It's like you're missing out. Yeah. And one day yeah. they're going to go buck wild yeah. because they're going to realize how much they missed out on. Right. And it's kind of like for you with the river, it's like, yeah. man, stuff that I did, loving outdoors or sporting events or whatever kind of thing, man, I enjoy it 10,000 times more now. Oh, yeah. Sober. Because, man, I look at it through the lens, not just yep. of being sober or not, um, but just, man, this is God's creation. And yeah. this is, you know, the ability and the true joy and all yeah. that. So, But that's, again, uh, to my point about uh, addiction uh, and being such a picture of sin, it's so deceptive. And it's yeah. self-deceptive. Like, we are we are the ones who are deceived. Like, this is only of hurting course. me. It's not hurting anybody else. We don't see all the collateral damage. Yes. You know, and I think for a lot of people, and I want to ask you, John, or, or get you to comment on this, because I know for a lot of people, personally, like for me that, that went through the addiction and, and sitting and counseling people that walk through the addiction, um, if a parent or somebody close to them has never battled an addiction, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard for because they're always like, they're they're just like, I can't understand why right. he or she would do this. Why would and, they and choose that? Yeah, over, yeah, over yeah, me, yeah. and they don't see the hurt. Um, yeah. I mean, can you speak to that a little bit yeah, as somebody who didn't personally battle addiction? Yeah, yeah. And, and you do. You think this is a choice. They're yeah. choosing that yeah. uh, over family. They're choosing that over working. They're choosing this. And this yeah. is what you in yeah. that. And I'm like, why don't you just snap out of it? Right. Yeah. Just, just stop. Yeah. You want to just and, slap them. Yeah. And yeah. then, like I said, every time I would forgive Drew, and I think, well, it's over. Yeah. He apologized. Daddy, mm-hmm. I'm wrong. I, I don't want and it's over. Let's move forward and forget it. Forget the past. Let's move forward. And uh, and I honestly thought thought that until yeah. I realized. Well, you I, wanted to believe him. I did. Yeah. I did want to believe. Yeah. Him. And mm-hmm. uh, for his sake and my right. my relationship. But um, I realized later, and I've learned learned a lot more about how it affects the brain and things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Since yeah. then, yeah. that it's, it is deeper. But. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I didn't really understand it, and so, mm-hmm. but um, I, Keith mentioned a while ago about conviction, and you you said in your testimony that it was fun. Mm-hmm. Well, after you got saved, then you went to the river. Those guys, it wasn't fun no more. It was conviction. That's right. Yeah. And so, um, I, I as a parent now, and as a just, I'm, I'm actually praying for for a young man right now. It's mm-hmm. real, real close to me, mm-hmm. 
and I don't think he's praying for himself because he's he's involved in mm-hmm. in drugs and things mm-hmm. right now. So I'm I'm praying for him and and I pray daily, and I and I struggle how to pray and what to pray, yeah. and so I'm 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 thinking what I know and what I've been through, and then what I think he's going through. Mm-hmm. And and mention conviction, and I do. I pray for God's conviction. Mm-hmm. I mean, I said in my own testimony that that uh, I didn't get saved till God convicted me of my sin. Mm-hmm. And you got to have that awareness. Well, yeah. somebody that doesn't have that, like right. you, before you saved, yeah, uh, you can fun, uh, go right. have fun, lay down, and wake up ready to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. But once you yeah. once you know God and 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 He's saved you. Um, there you, you do have the Holy Spirit living inside that does yeah. convict you of that yeah. sin mm-hmm. and you're not going to enjoy it no more no. And, yeah. and you and you're not going to have that peace and joy in in uh, someone not saved and trying to live that lifestyle it may be fun like like you say it's fun mm-hmm. but you you didn't have you might have been happy but you didn't have joy that's right like yeah. you know joy yeah, yeah. now and, and, right. and the that's peace right. and so what, what about like for instance a person that is saved and, and they know that they're doing wrong in that addiction, mm-hmm. and they're getting this conviction. But then again, they they just start to suppress it, and mm-hmm. they keep suppressing it, and they keep you know putting mm-hmm. it to the side, putting it to the side, and all of a sudden, that conviction is not as strong as it was sure. before. Well, you know, and that would be with any sin, though. I yeah. mean, because Bible speaks of us about grieving the spirit, right, uh, and even quenching the spirit. Quenching, that's what I was thinking. And, of. and so, and here's the thing too, like, so if you somebody listening that's not battling addiction or maybe they really don't know of someone um, who is like it's sin in general like mm-hmm. and we all whether you call it backslide or just struggle with sin that we used to you know before we met Christ I mean whether it's gossiping or lust or whatever it is I mean there's going to be times where we've done it before and know how it affects not only us but others but yet we give in to it that's why yeah. it's temptation because it's that's tempting right. you know and the sin is so deceptive it, it doesn't you know, even even for addiction, uh, addicts, when the temptation comes, I mean, Satan loves to remind me. He doesn't remind me of all that collateral damage. It's just the highlight reel. Right. Like you said, KP, yep. it's, it's the – and even while, like, no matter how you felt the next day or if you got busted or whatever, you know, the, the bad parts, he doesn't bring that up. No. That replay of my mind or whatever is the temptation is the the glimmers of the good. That's right. You know, remember how much fun it was. That's right. And it, no matter how small, you know, of that cliff note version of you know that that, that addiction is, that's what he brings up. Yeah. And and um, the other thing I I like to talk to y'all about too. Not Keith. I'll start with you. So Keith uh, mentioned Kate, uh, his eleven year old, and John's got uh, older boys. Uh, so if somebody's listening. Whether they don't have kids yet, but they plan on having kids, or they have kids, especially small ones, for you, KP and, and John, you can speak to both, young and older. Um, what should we do as parents? Okay. I mean, as far as you know, just talking to them, mm-hmm. and maybe it's question. not specifically about addiction, but mm-hmm. I mean, since we're talking about this topic, have yep. you had a conversation with Kate about anything? Well, for us, we kind of got a, a unique situation because my son's homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And that's something that me and my wife prayed about, and uh, we were blessed enough to be able to do that. I know everybody can't, and I understand that, uh, but we were able to. And so he's kind of sheltered from a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's got any kind of kids that are in public school right now, they know that our public school system is, is a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, 
uh, that we seen also, but they're seeing at a lot younger age. Mm-hmm. And we notice it all because of the home life. Mm-hmm. It all starts in the home. Mm-hmm. And so he has been sheltered from a lot of that stuff. Um, but he does know. You know, he, he understands it, uh, what's out there because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't hide the commercials. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch mm-hmm. even if you're watching them, something on TV, yeah, yeah. you know, there's a Here Comes a Beer commercial on, and he sees it, and he sees them having fun. Yeah. And, of course, I have talked with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my advice to parents would be to be involved uh, in your kid's life. When you come home, when you're around them, be involved in their life. Mm-hmm. Let them know how much how important they are to you. Put your phone down, you know, wrestling with him on the floor or whatever. Yeah, be yeah. involved in their life. Yeah. Talk to them. Kids, kids, man, they know. You can't mm-hmm. lie to them. Yeah. And uh, I've told Kate about my past. You know, I don't tell him every, the details of everything, sure. you know what I mean? But I tell him, you know, what I did mm-hmm. and how I did it and how it started, yeah. you know. And I want him to know that, you know, I, what I've talked about in here t- uh, tonight about how the devil tempts us with things that are fun mm-hmm. and that are enticing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, just like when you're fishing, you, 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 you flash up. A shiny lure in front of a fish you know what i mean you want to get his attention and that's what the devil does to mm-hmm. us and he does it to yeah. kids as well and so I, and I, that's what i explained to him and and i go back to that guy we seen on the street that time and I, I just let him know that i said and i and i bring that up sometimes with yeah. him when we're talking I said, you remember that guy we seen and it, it all started with one bad choice man yeah. and uh I, i'm trying my best to keep you from that and mm-hmm. but you are going to have to make that decision yourself one day yeah and um, I was like, it, it can, it's like rolling the dice, man. It's a gamble. Mm-hmm. I said, even with drinking beer, I mm-hmm. said, you drink it and you may not never want to drink it again in your life. Yeah. But it may grab a hold of you yeah. and put you in a headlock yeah. and you can't get out yeah. of it. There's, Why yeah. do you want to gamble? Yeah. Why would you want to gamble with that? Because yeah. you, know? you can casually do yeah. any of it. That's right. I mean, you know, experiment That's here right. or there and it not. There's plenty of people yeah. that would be listening that would. I, y'all may want to. Be honest with your kids. Yeah, be shoot. completely be transparent. Honest. There's certain things hey, you might not. And yeah. why? Yeah, exactly. That's right. Not but, yet. But uh, yeah, there's a time. Yeah. But uh, like, even when I mess up, man, I'm honest with him. And this goes beyond addiction. This is this yes. is this is just like living yeah. out the Christian life in front yeah. of my son. I wish I could say for a long time my son never heard me cuss. Mm-hmm. Never, and that, that was a, I put that as a goal in my life that I never want my son to see me drinking or cussing. He never seen me drinking, mm-hmm. but he heard me cuss. Because yeah. I was, I got upset, and it was with him, and I was yeah. mad. Yeah. And next thing I know, I done said a, a cuss word. Yeah. And then after I cool off, I'm like, I felt like the biggest dummy mm-hmm. in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, why, why did I say that word? And I tell him, you know, son, daddy, daddy's an idiot. I should have mm-hmm. never said that. Mm-hmm. I said, that's why I need Jesus. You know, yeah. and so I just be real with him, yeah. you know, and I think that goes a long, yeah. long, long way. Well, for me, too, like um, in that story or that instance, Keith, like for me, the beautiful picture of the gospel. Yes, it is righteous living, you know, living sold out for Christ and, and denying ourselves and those sort of things. But then it's also in those there's grace in those mistakes. Yeah. And so when you That's cuss, right. when you fall, when you whatever, I mean, I think one of the most powerful pictures is like when I have you know, slipped up and not been the dad I should or, or yeah. did something stupid in front of my kids or said, you know, in anger or whatever, is to go in afterwards and, and let them know. I always do that. Ask I for always. forgiveness. Yes. I mean, that, you're That's picturing right. there, I mean, what the gospel is. And I, I wanted to ask y'all too, though, 
not just with younger kids, but I, I guess it would be more in line for younger kids because, I mean, there's going to be time where you're going to have that conversation, and you already have with Cade, about substance abuse, about mm-hmm. alcohol, you know, about that type of addiction. But I know early on with mine, I mean, we had talks. Uh, obviously, you want to talk to them about their identity and yeah. their value yeah. and how God created. So all that comes, I mean, right out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't care. They can be not saying a word yet. You start speaking that and praying that and I mean, all those things. But I've seen it in ours, like, because I remember when I was doing a lot of studying on addiction, there is the addictive, what some would say, the addictive personality. Mm-hmm. Well, I got that. And then some of it's behavior, you know, what, what you've seen lived out. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I've got that. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that kind of stuff, and I'm an all-in kind of person. So I've seen in my kids early on, whether it's gaming, yeah. for instance. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've just seen it where, you know, you play that thing for eight or ten hours, you come out and you act like a different person. And I can speak. On their level, yeah. with something they're already experienced, and I'm not talking about drugs and alcohol. Right. I'm talking about something they they enjoy. Yeah. But when it's on this all in consumed by, yes. and it's a lot of the same principles, you know, that you if it was just bigger problems, something else. Yeah. And so I think that's huge. So yeah. there's not that like it's too early. Yeah. It may be too. And again, you're the parent. Use discernment. You know, on, on age appropriate. I mean, if it's sex or drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. But again, speaking to them about their identity and purpose mm-hmm. and things consuming them, and I'm just one of those, you, whatever you feed grows. Yeah. It's just a true, and if you are feeding something that's negative and destructive yeah. in your life, sooner or later, that thing's going to turn on you and, and destroy it. Yeah. John, you, you can speak to either or or both uh, with the younger kids or older. Um, what, do you, what, do you, what would you tell a parent that maybe their kids are not struggling um, but I mean, what what would you say to them, or if they do have kids that are maybe exhibiting some, or, or maybe they're already dabbling in, you know, yeah, something. Well, um, just thinking back, I, um, you know, you mentioned a while ago the preacher's kid syndrome, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you don't want to be so strict that it just makes them want to go out and do yeah. something wild and crazy. But then you can't just completely let your guard down, and you know. Um, one time I, I was working, was coaching baseball and one of, one of the coaches was a little bit kind of, you know, stern, you know, mm-hmm. and he was getting on the boys and this and that. And I'd come along behind him and I'd, you know, put my arm and kind of things over. <laughs> but, but, um, but then I had one mama tell me one time that I wasn't tough enough on the on the board. Yeah, yeah. And and so she wanted me. I said, "What you me do? Yell at them, cuss them out." <laughs> yeah. It. But uh, but there is a balance. Yeah. I mean, you you can't be their best friend. You can't right. be their buddy. Yeah. But you can. Uh, but and you do have to stand your ground. And I I guess you know, I, I heard you say that your dad was like, "Do as I say, mm-hmm. not as I do." Yeah. And yep. and uh, but my daddy was always. I could do what he said and watch what he did mm-hmm, because yeah. he mm-hmm. didn't drink cuss, smoke yeah. trigger, and you know. Yeah. And so I guess I guess when raising my boys, I didn't either, and mm-hmm. I thought well, this is something I don't have to worry about because right. I didn't do it. Yeah. And and uh, got a great relationship. They respect me like yeah. no other, and consider myself a good dad. And just thought I would never. In fact, I was I never been so shocked in my life when I found out yeah. my son was doing something. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, just just speaking to people who's got kids now, and um, uh, I just I just always 
you know, you, you, you've all, y'all probably done, know your wives has done this. When a kid gets in trouble or doing something they're not supposed to, what is it, count to three? Mm-hmm. Like one, mm-hmm. two. Yeah. What happens when we get to three? They start over. Start over. <laughs> no, nothing happens. Yeah. Well, well, think about that a little later in life or something when you lay down consequences mm-hmm. uh, of you getting in trouble. Yeah. You know, if you're driving, yeah. I mean, the scariest thing, and I mean, you got you got kids driving, you mm-hmm. don't yet, but but uh, legally, one of the scariest yeah. things, huh? Not legally. <laughs> we'll edit that part. <laughs> one of the scariest things is handing handing your son or your yeah. your child car keys yeah. the first time. I can imagine you got that yeah. freedom, but but if you lay down the law, like if I catch you speeding, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. or catch you come home late, you lay down the law, or or especially if I find out you've been drinking and you've been mm-hmm. driving, yeah. um, I'm going to take the keys for a week or I'm yeah. going to do this. And and they get caught for doing something and you don't follow through with those consequences. Mm-hmm. You, you're you just you're just making matters worse. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would, my advice to parents would, you know, you lay, you set the, the rules right. and the consequences. Mm-hmm. Follow them. And, and, and you do that thinking, if they, especially if they're harsh enough, you do that so that you won't have to worry about it and they don't do it. Yeah. And so when it does happen, you feel, oh man, I really didn't expect I'd have to do this, but if you don't, what are you doing? You open yourself up for something. So I would, I stand firm on on what you believe. Don't waver. You know, I never did. And, uh, uh, maybe I was too strict sometimes. Maybe I was too lenient sometimes. I don't know, but I I would, I would set those consequences. Something, you know, I'd like to add with that. It, It doesn't matter. Uh, well, it does matter. It does matter what you do as a parent. Mm-hmm, That's sure. what I'm saying. But when your kid becomes an adult, he's going to make his own choices. And, you know, he may choose to follow the way you do or he may mm-hmm. not. And if he doesn't, I think a lot of parents probably beat themselves up because yeah. their kid yeah. chose a different path than what they wanted. Yeah. You know, and I, 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 to those parents, I say, you know, if you did the things that you were supposed to do, don't don't beat yourself up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Agreed. And we we've been reading uh, in Old Testament, and we've been reading about Eli, mm-hmm. and Eli was a godly mm-hmm. man, yeah. and, and he had two sons. And yeah. what did they do? Yeah. You know, they seen their daddy yeah. live a life that was for God, yeah. and they chose not to. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you know, don't don't. That's 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 a great point because I know there's not only is there shame for the addict, for the parent, yes, or the spouse the children of an addict, there's a lot of shame too. They're not the ones that are doing it, but yeah. you know, it's almost like that, you know, well, that is my spouse or my daddy That's or my right. mom, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think of Hezekiah in the Old Testament. I mean, he had one of the most wicked fathers. Yes. Sin, and then his son was the most wicked king at all. Yes. But yet Hezekiah is, is, is a man, right. you know, that, that followed the Lord. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you obviously as parents, we're responsible for our children and we're gonna yeah. pour into them and teach them right and wrong. But yeah, I mean, they're going to have to make yeah. choices yeah. that have consequences, and you got to love them. And I know John, you and I have talked, and you, and you touched on it there that balance, and it's it's going to be tough. I mean, each parent, man, you're going to love them hard and to the max. Uh, but if you know they are battling addiction, there's that fine line of of loving them mm-hmm. and enabling them yeah. in the addiction. That's I mean, right. times where you've got to say no and not fork out some money or do something that's going to, they're going to feel as unloving. Yeah. But it's really because you love them. You may have to leave them in jail. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that that gets to the enabling part. And that's, that's to, I mean, there was a time when I told, like I said earlier, 
that I told Drew, basically, I can't help you anymore till you commit yeah. to go somewhere That's for, right. for yeah. at least one year. And that didn't mean I, I didn't love him no more. That mean I was done with him yeah. or anything. Mm-hmm. I was doing everything I knew to do to help him, and that's what it was by telling him that. Yes. And and did I turn my back on him? No. Did I tell him what welcome I? No. But I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help him pay a bill. I couldn't mm-hmm. do this or that. Mm-hmm. You know. And and main thing, I couldn't act like everything was okay. Yeah. When when we that's talked. Right. And I mean, not that I treated him any different, but things weren't right. I'm not going to pretend that's right. That, yeah, that everything's good that's because right. I can't. If I did, yeah. and just then mm-hmm. that wasn't helping him. That yeah. that enabling man, I, that's probably a. I know it's a huge issue with addiction too, because I know some people personally that has enabled their children, and these children are adults now, and they mm-hmm. still enable them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and. They love them and they want to try to help them, yeah. and that's that's their way of thinking that they're helping them, but they're not. Yeah. They're actually hurting them, yeah. you know. And they, they don't yeah. they don't I don't know if they don't see it, yeah. or you know that old thing love is blind. I, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what the yeah. deal is with that. Yeah, a couple of things I want to touch on. Um, I was talking with um, some guys that are in uh, recovery, and uh, they were just talking about the stigma. I mean, John and Keith and everybody, y'all have heard us mention Penfield here in our area. Um, but I remember when Penfield, John, who's on the board at Penfield, and if you are struggling or, or know someone who is, I mean, we, we would love to, you can uh, call us. Penfield's a great resource. I mean, there's, there's tons of resources we'd like to get in your hands. So we'd like to kind of help, uh, help you in that regard. Um, but I remember even in our little small community, when uh, it became known that Penfield was coming, I remember the stigma from mm-hmm. from some leadership, some mm-hmm. church Christian leadership, as well as just in the community of, man, we're going to have to lock up our wives and our children kind of thing. And it was just that whole mentality. And I don't know how many years they've been here, John. You may can speak to that. But they still feel that today. Mm-hmm. Like there's this yeah. stigma, like everywhere they go, yeah. whether it's in a church or you know, a local grocery store or whatever it is, it's like people see them as that. Um, why do y'all think that's so, that is, and not only just uh, obviously out in the world kind of thing, but in our churches, I mean, why is that such a battle? Yeah, I'd, um, just being a part of Penfield and, and going down there and meeting these guys, I mean, to me, they're somebody's son and mm-hmm. son or, or daughter, or, you yeah. know, and, and husband. And, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I met some of the nicest folks mm-hmm. ever coming mm-hmm. through there and they're just, they just got a problem and they they need help mm-hmm. and uh but yeah i think i think you just got that i don't know like you said it's a stigma you think somebody's got a problem gets back to what we said a while ago we think think it's a choice and think mm-hmm. they're yeah that's they, exactly they're what i was choosing thinking this lifestyle yeah over their family and everything yeah, else. yeah, they, yeah. but it's not they got got a problem need help yeah and uh it was as I was talking a while ago, you know, about uh, feeling that helpless and hopeless feeling, like I was, you know, it. Um, I I remember telling Drew that, uh, you know, I would love to help you. I'd do anything. I'd give my right arm. I'd do anything. But I can't help you. Mm-hmm. And and I explained to him, it's just as if you you had found out you had a tumor, a cancerous tumor. There's no way I'm. 
I'm a farmer. That's what I do for a living. Yeah. There's no way I know what what kind of medicine. I certainly can't do surgery. Mm-hmm. But there's people yeah. trained. Yep. Been to medical yeah. school, and and even and that that can find. Mm-hmm. I mean, the resource got resources to do surgery and and take care of this issue. Mm-hmm. I can get you to that person. Yeah. That's the same way I feel about recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people I believe they're trained. For one, but I believe some of them's called by God, especially a faith-based facility like right. Penfield, mm-hmm. that care about you. Not yeah. only are they gonna gonna help you with with that, but they gonna pray for you and love you That's and right. treat you like a son or daughter. Yeah. yeah. And so, as Robbie mentioned, Penfield is a great resource. And and at the end, well, I'll share the website. Yeah. But uh, back to the enabling, and you know, in my mm-hmm. heart goes out to to the parents and yeah. to the codependents who's listening now and um and and yeah tough love is the hardest thing you'll ever do yeah and, and when you when you have to say no when you have to yeah um yeah uh be tough it, it's not easy mm-hmm. and, and believe me and i've heard other parents say this and they if if you don't answer a phone call or you don't bail them out of jail or you don't do something, I mean, the first thing you're going to think of, what if they die? Yeah. What if they have a wreck? And mm-hmm. what if they overdose and, and I turned them away or I didn't yeah. help them do this or that? If you live like that, you're, yeah. I mean, by me saying, I can't help you until you go somewhere mm-hmm. for a year. I mean, that was hard for me to do that, but I felt more freedom because mm-hmm. i'd put it on him here's yeah. what you got to do and and hopefully you know that's by me saying that he would do it that's right and let me say too keith i think you had something but um that to john's point like so there may be somebody and you'll have somebody like one of the things i love is like as, as being a former addict saved by the grace of god is you become a magnet like oh, it's just yes. God's. It, I don't oh, know. Yes. And it goes in a lot of ways. Like I know tons of people who have, you know, whether it was a porn addiction and and people coming to like, like that's one of the things you don't just open a conversation with. Like oh hey by the way I'm addicted <laughs> to porn. But it's amazing how God will allow you. Uh, he sovereignly places you into their lives and them into your life, and then opens up conversations. Like just somehow you you kind of like they just it's almost like a sense and like they know yeah. that they can kind of share something like they'll be like I've never told anybody this and they'll tell you and they'll be like well I struggled with that or yeah. whatever kind of thing yeah. um, so you come at but I would say this for people because I think it's also one of those things like as I kind of let off I mean none of the three of us are professionals kind of thing you don't have to be the only one but you are one and so if somebody comes up to you or you find out that a family member friend spouse whomever is struggling with addiction or somebody in your church comes up to you and be like man i'm struggling with this and i'd wrap my arms around them and be like thank you so much for entrusting yeah. i know that how hard this is you love on them you pray with them but you don't have to you're not their savior you know what i mean you don't have to fix them you're part of the process so then maybe you're okay hey let me get you in touch with you know, a Penfield right. or a, a professional right. counselor. You're just you're. Then you become networking, and then you walk with them through that. As far as you know, whether it's praying with them or just being a, a listening ear, or whatever. So you're part of the process, but don't right. think you've got to have all the answers. Yeah. it's okay. Did you have some earlier? Keith? Well, I was just thinking about what you mentioned about, uh, you know, when Penfield was coming here, people was 
you know, like they didn't want them here. Yeah, know, yeah. Basically. And the people, I think, that, that look at them differently, yeah. look at them like they got a third eye, Yeah. they've never battled addiction. Yeah. And they don't understand that's it. That's right. You know, somebody that's battled addiction, they see somebody like that, mm-hmm. they're not judging them. You know, because yeah. they understand, like you said about choice, you know, people think that they're choosing yeah. that over their family, and they're not, man. That. If someone is truly an addict, it, it just it consumes their life, yep. and, and they have really ain't got no control over it, man. Yeah, because it does. Not only you know you have all these chemicals in your mind, and it it, can, it just changes everything about you. Yeah, and so there's a process of healing, mm-hmm. you know, and even healing the mind physically, you know, mentally, absolutely. Uh, and so I think that people that do look at them like that, they've never had that yeah. that battle. Yeah, you know. So yeah, let me say this about that consuming man because. Um, one of the things I love, uh, like, so the three of us have obviously y- y'all heard and have heard mine already, so I won't go back, but we have three different testimonies in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, what we battle and addictions and, and not and growing up in Christian homes and all that kind of stuff. And, and some would be not so much that um, that atmosphere you would grow up in. But it, it's amazing to me that when a lot of times, just about every time, someone who's battled an addiction, man, when... God grips their heart, changes their life. I mean, it's this radical, man, they are the most passionate. Yeah. I mean, we all are, are, you know, God sets you ablaze. He's a consuming fire, but somebody who's been consumed by something else and God changes their life and he has lifted them out of that pit, man, they are like, let's go. You know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, something that, that I struggle with personally is someone that has been delivered from you know whatever addiction it may be mm-hmm. and you see that person and man they're on fire for god they're doing just wonderful things and they're involved in all kind of different ministries and they're helping you see them actually physically helping people yeah. break that chain yeah and then they fall back yeah. into that addiction yeah and and i have a hard time with that trying to understand like man you knew Mm-hmm. where that was going to lead you if you go back down it mm-hmm. and you knew where you're at right now yeah. you know where this road leads you why why yeah. and that's that's tough and yeah. I, I struggle with that yeah. I, I, yeah. I had a, i had a really good friend y'all yeah. know that that uh was involved uh you know he was an addict for a long time mm-hmm. got clean got sober got saved gave his life to christ and i really believe in my heart he was saved and he uh he was involved in uh, celebrate recovery teaching it and you mm-hmm. know Ended up going back and and he died not too long ago. And mm. That that's that's tough and I, it is. It's hard to understand that. It, it really is. is. It is. But I I would still though, and I know how. I mean, again, it's I, I want to say that yeah. because a person that it, that has been in an addict, you always need to be careful. Yeah. You well, know? yeah, yeah. And and again, loving them just like the neighboring part, you right. put parameters up. Right. I mean, as far as you know. Uh, giving them money and trusting mm-hmm. them with I mean you know what I mean like because yeah. I mean, you know that's part yeah. of their stories they right. struggle with this so you're yeah. not going to enable them by hey here's you know a thousand dollars I mean that's that's going to be a trigger or possibly very right. you right. know likely kind of thing um, but yeah man not only are they they just so passionate um, but even that fallen let me say this because one of my favorite scriptures in Proverbs it says though a, a righteous man falls seven times now, he didn't say a sinful man. He says a righteous man and seven being a number of completion. So this yeah. is a repetitive over and over. He says he will get up. Yeah. And so uh, if it's the attic, I know how frustrating that is because trust me, I've been there. I've yeah. personally experienced it, seen others who I cared and loved. And then I've, I've been with, and we all have, 
um, people who've give, made a profession of faith, or maybe they are believers, true followers of Jesus, and yet it's not an addiction. It's something else they follow. They just right. kind of fall away kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. We don't give up. That's right. But we're going to persevere, and we're going to keep loving them and praying and being there for when that return is yeah. um, with those open arms just like our Father is. That's right. So uh, I know we need to wrap up, but uh, I did want to kind of uh, – Get y'all's uh, thoughts on us specifically, not just us specifically as the Bridge Church, but just church in general. What are some things that we can do? Because the pastor, I don't care if it's one or if you got a dozen, you know, elders, pastors, bishops on, you know, on your team kind of thing. Um, that there's again, we can be part of the journey, but if we have people and we do that sit in our pews, our chairs, or whatever that's worshiping that are battling addiction. So how can we better, as a church, love them well, those who, not only those individuals who are battling addictions, but their families? For me, I think a, just a simple way is treat them like you would want to be treated. Yeah. You know, don't, don't just single them out because they do have an addiction, but love on them like you would want to love on anybody, yeah. you know, and, and treat them with, with decency and, and kindness and, and uh if if they need if they need to talk with you just um take the time out and talk with them because that's i see that being a huge problem with ministry that when you want to get involved in somebody's life and you want to be there for them and and see them through things man it can be really tough and and it can take a lot of your time and you just got to be devoted to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, they need that. You know, they need to know that you're going to be there for them, yeah. and that you're not going to judge them. Uh, and uh, if they do fall, that you're there not to enable them to do it again, but to help them get back on the right road. Because you know, it's just like driving down a dirt road, and you're in a rut. You get out of that rut if you ain't careful. What's going to happen? Yeah. You're going to fall right back in that rut because it's easy to get back into. Yeah. And addiction is easy to get back into. Yeah. And so having that mindset, knowing that, hey, this this is a battle, mm-hmm. and just be there with them, be there for them, whatever they need. Yeah. One of the tough things about churches, y'all mentioned a while ago that y'all had names for me or whatever, kind of people put me on a pedestal, mm-hmm. which I don't belong there, and I, I hope I don't come across that way. I know. And uh, because I want to be approachable in right. church, yeah. and right. I, don't, no I don't want somebody to think I got everything, because yeah. I don't. Yeah. But uh, but that is the perception from somebody. I mean, I met with a young man just two days ago, and he said, I'd love to go to church, but there ain't no way I can show my mm-hmm. face in yep. the church. Yep. Why? Because he's wondering what people are thinking yep. Yep. and saying. Yep. But then he, in the, in the also, but he also told me I have no accountability in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I told him, I said, man, you got zero chance of whipping this without accountability. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I said, the best accountability you're going to get is within – the church, yeah. not necessarily coming in a sanctuary and yeah. Yeah, yeah. things, but but it's gonna be you're gonna find godly people and godly men that right. cares about you. And I encouraged him to come to our men's class. Yes. I said, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, I promise you hundred percent, yes, you will not feel judged mm-hmm. and you'll see that these guys are just as jacked up as you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, You don't even have to go inside. You don't have to go to worship. So come to our yeah. class and leave. Yes. You know. But uh, but our goal shouldn't be to get them in church. That's but right. it should be accountability, yeah. and and when you do meet with somebody, I mean, don't sugarcoat what yeah. you, how you feel. Tell them the truth. Yeah. You owe them that. Yeah. They've they've heard it from everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not condemning, putting them down, but this guy wanted to meet with me. 
I said, man, you, you wouldn't have called me if you didn't want to hear what I got to say, so I'm going to tell you. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what I feel like you yeah. need to do. And uh, and I was. I shot straight with him because that mm-hmm. might be the last chance yeah. I yeah. get with him. That's right. right. And I, I did tell him. But uh, but before we wrap up, I do want to we, – we talked a lot about conviction. We talked a lot about – well, you mentioned shame. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know God's not the God of shame, mm-hmm. but he does convict. That's how he draws us. Mm-hmm. But – what would you say to the person out there that's dealing with shame? Because yeah. the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah, he wants to take everything away from you. And that shame is what's keeping somebody maybe from asking for help. That's right. And uh, just like I mentioned about prodigal son story, mm-hmm. you got a perception of what yeah. what somebody thinks of you. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, and that's going I, And I've heard people struggle with addiction. Yeah. I, I didn't go to family gatherings. I sure wasn't going to Christmas yeah. dinner. That's right. And because I didn't want to show my because I know what everybody's thinking. Yeah. Well, most people are glad to see you. Yeah. For one. That's right. But you just have that false perception. Yeah, no of doubt. What, and then that leads into God, uh, the shame part. Mm-hmm. And then I, I've, I've met with several people here lately or, or talked to guys who had a bad experience with their father or yes. no father yeah. mm-hmm. and so that spills yeah. over to the heavenly absolutely. father yep. so before we wrap up will you talk yeah. about shame and guilt absolutely yeah so shame our God's a shame lifter right, right. like like he and I love in the prodigal <clears throat> son story so much there but when the son does start to come home and the father is waiting the father runs to him mm-hmm. and in that setting uh, men in that day did not run because you have to hike up the outer garment, uh, it was it was it was seen as shameful mm-hmm. in the culture, and it's just that beautiful picture of the father, obviously um, our heavenly father, running to us, taking the shame, because the son's going there the whole time with nothing but shame. What's he gonna say? What's he gonna think? What's he gonna do? I've done all this and messed up too many times and blown it. Da da da. I mean, he's just ridden in shame. And then the father takes that shame, mm-hmm. you know, which is this beautiful picture of what God does. And so, yeah, that projection, and we're all prone to that project, whether good or bad or really, really bad, um, projecting onto God, um, the father, um, what our experience is with our earthly father. Um, so that that's something, you know, God, the father, he's a perfect father. He is a shame lifter. And then also even within the church, um, you mentioned, John, be honest with them. And I think that's so important. You know, like, because I know there's this, you know, we don't want to, like, um, we don't want to, like, just beat them upside the head of the Bible. And there's certain things, you know, we kind of, we want to ease them in. We want to build rapport. And all those things are true. But at the same time, man, I'm, I'm up front with them. Mm-hmm. Whoever it is I counsel, addict or not, I'm like, if you just here to blow smoke, because a lot of times you'll get, you know, hey, my marriage is about to collapse or they're about to send me to rehab. You're my life, life yeah. resort, you know, life uh reserve or whatever kind of thing in my last resort and I'm like nah like you gotta want this yeah like for you no matter what else happens kind of thing and I'm honest I'm straight up with them about it so you can I think that beautiful balance of grace and truth is what we do mm-hmm. we speak truth to them but it's always full of grace yeah because there's grace for that uh, I'd say this too this is something I just I jotted down even today as I was thinking about tonight within our church but just churches in general in our community um, be so so mindful of, of spouses and parents of addicts mm-hmm. but I really my heart today I was thinking about the children of addicts yeah. 
I mean, there's some that might be listening now. It's a teenager or preteen, and mom or dad or uncle or whomever in your family is an addict. And, and, you know, it's kind of that, I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to go down that road. But you've seen granddaddy, daddy, and now, mm-hmm. okay, well, this must be all there is for me. Right. You know what I mean? And so for us as a church, um, just again, like, man, loving on them, like giving them attention they're longing for that maybe they're not receiving at home because something else is, is consuming mm-hmm. that life. You know what I mean? Let them know their value and their worth and what our Heavenly Father is like. like you, you have that. Ability, yeah. you can yeah. do that. Um, so I think that's just um, extremely important yeah. that we would do that. Anything else within church I want to say? Or well, uh, there's one thing I was thinking about, and John was talking about how he, he wanted to be approachable. You know, yeah, he yeah. didn't want to seem like some holy roller and things like that's that. Right. Well, there, there's a perception a lot of times with people uh, of the church that you know they they've got it all together and everything's yeah. perfect, and especially an, an addict that's struggling. You know, he's like he don't want to be there. He don't. Want, he's got all this shame on him. That's right. And he's like these people, they've got it all together. Yeah. And you know, we've been reading through the Bible, my house, and we're in the Old Testament right now, and we're reading through. And we're in Judges now. Man, the Bible is so full of jacked up people mm-hmm. that it is unreal. That's what that's what it's about. You know, mm-hmm. and. Me and my wife, we'll be reading something, and then we, we get to this point, and we're like, oh, my God, I just can't believe what they've done, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know. I, I can't either. I said, do we do the same thing? You know what I mean? Yep. And, and we're all jacked up. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. that's why we need Jesus. Yeah. And, and right. for those that are listening out there, and, you know, if, you, if you're struggling with addiction and you feel ashamed to go to church or to reach out to a brother or someone that you know is, that's a Christian or whatever – Man, don't be ashamed, man. Because like I said, the Bible is so full of people that were just jacked up. They had all kinds of problems, and God used them, and he can use you too. That's right. Amen. So. And I, I'd also um, just reiterate, I guess, for, for local churches, leaders, I, I would just plead. And for us, like I'm convicted about this. Like, um, For one, if you're going to get in it, as far as like, especially like addiction and being part of the process of recovery— Roll your sleeves up yeah. and make a stinking commitment yeah. because it's long term. You know what I mean? And it it's is. messy. It is. And I know, cause I just know how it is. I mean, I don't care if it's a homeless ministry or what. Like, there's that, oh, this is a need. Yeah. Uh, let's get into it. We feel like, and then once you get into it, you realize, man, this stuff is tough. That's right. And and, and there are issues. Um, so, so get into it yeah. long term. Be committed. I'd say this too, like, again, not having all the answers, but. Maybe you're part of the process that God just again allows you because of the rapport, you the relationship you built with that person that they share something even outside of addiction because there's always stuff beneath the surface. Like I don't care, just sin yeah. in general. There's always something. Yeah. There's a longing. There's a needing. There's a hurt. Yeah. And maybe you're the first person they share that with. So it may not be you know completely about the addiction, but it's something that they've experienced. So yeah. I mean, there's there's so many ways that you can you know, love and serve and help them yeah. um, along the way. And so I would say that. And, I, and the last thing I would say is for a lot of us, and I'll speak specifically to churches and church leaders, uh, but for me and, and just a follower of Christ in general, man, pride out the door. And what I mean by that, again, is you don't have to be the Savior, the, you know, the fix them, make them, you know, complete and, and free. And Jesus does that. But... Be willing to connect. There are a ton of, I mean, we mentioned John and I, we've mentioned Penfield several times. There's 
there's some great ministries, some great counselors that are certified professional network. Mm-hmm. Figure out who they are, and, and again, if you call here or message us, we're we're going to be part of that. And if we don't know, we'll find somebody who knows, kind of thing. But be willing to network, and and don't. It, Ministries that are already set up, man, praise God. Pray for them. Figure out how you can serve them, how you can partner with them, because they're already doing that's what their heart is. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, I would just encourage us to, you know, not not to feel like it's just about us, be willing to kind of really connect, be the body of Christ that's helping people that's in need. Yeah. Amen. All right, guys. Thank y'all so much. I'd like to give that website yeah. address for Absolutely. Penfield is penfieldaddictionministries.org. And uh Anyone out there that's that's you're at that point, you feel like you're the one in that pig pen and, and don't know which way to turn. First of all, God loves you right where you are. And yeah. uh, he, he like Robbie said, he not only is waiting, he's he runs to you with open arms and accepts you just as you are. Don't think you gotta clean up to come to him and that's right. And uh, he's he's willing to accept you just as you are and uh um as we was talking about the church, you know, I, I'm, I prayed that God would put someone in his path as a church. We may be that person in yep. the path of someone else. Yep. Looking. You may have yep. that one shot to, to, to be that, just to listen or, or to help mm-hmm. someone. Yeah, You're part of that person's answered prayer. Amen. Exactly. That's crazy. Amen. God would use us like that. It John is. Key, thank y'all so much for joining us tonight. And thank you guys for, for listening. This is Into the Fray. You have a good one. This has been another episode of Into the Fray. We want to thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast on your podcast feed. We will see you next week for another conversation.